Howdy, y'all. Oh, you said y'all. Well done, yeah, I did, yes. I, I almost promised last time. Yes, you did. You're good but, at almost promising. Yes. But but here we are in the fourth episode. Yes. Welcome back to uh, Drunken Time Travel Podcast. Yes. Say hi, Gav. Hi, Gav. Ah, comedy. We know we're all about it. <laughs> so what one is it today, then, Gav? Yes, today uh, we'll be looking at Marco Polo. Interesting. Which... Is as we'll go into more detail later, one of the uh, first reconstructions. Yes, uh, because it was the, the missing one of the missing stories. But uh, as you say, we'll, we'll talk about, a bit about that after the after you've done your uh, synopsis, and after we've told them about our beer. Yes, today my choice of beer is Bex Fusion, which is with a hint of orange. You second me so much. Anyway, uh, I'm drinking Hollandia, which is with a hint of beer. Mm. That's how I like it. I think it's water with a hint of beer. Mm. But uh, we'll, we'll go into more about the beers later as well. There's so much coming up later. You won't yes. want to hold on to your seats. Uh, but first, Gav, uh, do you want yes. to do the synopsis of the seven episodes of Marco Polo? All seven of them. Yes. Yes, if you want. Well, you don't have to. But I will. Yes. Because you're good like that. Mm. Anyway, the first episode is called The Roof of the World. And it goes something like this. Having found the giant footprint from the end of last episode, Ian dismisses it with science. The TARDIS heating apparently breaks down, and Ian and Barbara decide to go for a walk. They bump into some uh, Mongols who would kill them, but for a stranger who tells them to stop in the name of Kublai Khan. They get taken back to camp, where Ian brings science into boiling water at altitude. Susan then gets friendly with a Chinese girl called Ping Chow. The stranger, who turns out to be Marco Polo, returns to the TARDIS, or caravan as he likes to call it, with Ian and company. Unable to gain entry, he takes the TARDIS back to camp. With the Mongols not believing them to be, well, believing them to be evil spirits, the Doctor is denied access to the caravan whilst it is transported to the next town. In the next town, Marco decides it's going to use the caravan to buy himself passage back to his homeland in Venice. The Doctor finds this hysterical for some reason. I don't know why he's going mad for some reason. Meanwhile, Tagana plots to take the caravan for himself. That's the end of the first episode. The next episode, uh, Singing Sands. Or the one where we don't remember the snow familiar. For the pa- for the first 40 minutes of the episode, we're treated to a conversation between Susan and Barbara. Look back inside, Ian plays chess with Marco. Susan and her new friend then follow Tagana, who is uh, sneaking out of camp at night. They discover a sandstorm and decide to take cover behind a sand dune. And also by which I mean the putting the hands in front of their face. It obviously works against weather for some reason. Once the storm has passed, they all return to camp. No wiser as to Tagana's motives. The next morning, the water supply is being sabotaged by bandits. Or at least that was, they presume anyway. With ration supplies, Marco sets out to an oasis every one week from, dehydra- from dehydration. Tagana then offers to go alone and bring back water. 
After drinking from the oasis, Tigana empties the gourd in defiance of Marco. It's a bit boring, isn't it? <laughs> I can't believe you didn't make a midnight at the oasis joke. I don't do comedy. No. As you have found out in the last <laughs> 20 minutes. Yeah. Uh, the next episode is called The Cave of 500 Eyes. So, episode 3, 500 Eyes. Oh, the one where they can't decide what on the name. Asleep in the TARDIS, the Doctor awakens when water drops on his face. The TARDIS has excessive damp problems now. And you thought it was a mess with our story. They now decide to drink TARDIS damp. Tagana returns, claiming to have scared off the bandits, but is sans water. The Doctor gives Marco a fake key to the TARDIS, as he's now banned again, and has his allowance taken away. Which is a shame, as they're now at a busy trading town. Tagana sneaks away again, and Barbie follows. He's away more than he's there. I'd be more suspicious if he wasn't sneaking away somewhere. Anyway, Barbie is captured in the cave she followed Tegan into. Doctor and Susan go look for Barbie in the cave and Susan freaks out when some cave painting eyes move. Which was really the kidnapper spying through holes that are cunningly disguised. Episode 4, The Wall of Lies. Or the one with all the sneaking. Ian and Marco decide to go to the cave and Tagana turns up. Something suspicious must be afoot. Ian, the detective, discovers secret of the eyes and frees Barber. All quicker than it took me just to describe what was just happened. Back in town, Barber is ignored. Business as usual again then. Having now moved to camp having now moved the camp to another town, Tagana now asked for permission to sneak off. The doctor sneaks into the caravan to fix it. But Tagana sees him and reports this to Marco. Upset by this, Marco goes to tell the doctor he's seizing the caravan, which is obviously a whole lot different from the current situation. Escaping from confinement, Ian sneaks up on a dead guard and tries to kill him. Episode 5, Rider from the Shantou. Ian moves on to find Marco and inform him there's bandits afoot, and comes up with a plan to fight them. See, it's all Ian, all the time. A battle ensues, bamboo explodes on the fire, bandits run. As a favour, Marco offers to think about not seizing the caravan. Susan's new Chinese friend sees where Marco hides the key. He tells her not to tell anyone. No prizes are offered here. Tagana does more sneaking and makes a deal with a man with a monkey. Ping Cho, the Chinese girl, steals one of the TARDIS's keys and they all go into the TARDIS except for Susan, who gets captured by Tagana. I don't know why they haven't left yet though. Episode 6, The Mighty Kubla Khan. Ian confronts Tagana, everyone else joins and Tagana runs off. And Marco reiterates he's keeping the TARDIS. Ping Cho runs away in the night. Ian valiantly offers to look for her. The TARDIS is stolen and Tigano goes to look for them and the TARDIS. The rest prepare to meet Kubai Khan, which I presume involves fine chewing and fearing aids because I can't make out the fucking word he says. I think he has to see Tigano at some point. Imagine the people listening to this podcast what they were thinking. Ah, uh, irony, but can't. <laughs> Meanwhile, Ian finds the TARDIS bandits and then fingers uh, Tigano. He does want <laughs> <laughs> Are you watching the same thing I was watching? Yes. He points out to Ghana oh, is the one right, that okay. told them to steal the TARDIS. Okay. Ian versus Tagana, round one, fight. 
next episode assassin at Peking soldiers turn up immediately to remove their weapons no fight uh, they take them back to Shantou the doctor now pals with the car gambles the return of the TARDIS on a game of backgammon he lost he found it funny anyway god knows what he'd think of this podcast <laughs> Ping Chou, being told she has to enter into her arranged marriage against her will, turns to a sofa for support. Well, anything's better than her friend Susan. The day of the wedding arrives, and the supposed husband has conveniently died. Figuring out Tigana's plot to kill the Khan, the Doctor and company escape captivity to tell Marco Polo, who engages Tigana in a sword fight. Tigana loses, the Doctor gets his keys back, they escape. The end. Excellent. I do like the phrase Tardis Damp as well. I invented it. Did you? Just then. So you like this, this story then, don't you? Well, or yes. Or you did before. Well, certainly the early parts of the story, there's plenty happening. Yes, it doesn't seem to be as uh, lingering as the other ones. Yeah, there's a... I mean, overall, towards the end, it starts to get a bit slow, but it's like each episode is set somewhere else and there's always something happening. Yeah, it doesn't seem too long. And also, I mean, we're watching it all in one night, as opposed to whenever it was first shown, it was like once a week. You know, they, they would have to watch it 25 minutes once a week, as opposed to three hours all in one go. And uh, given the fact that uh, so much does happen and there's so many different uh, locations within the story it's a bonus considering that it is a reconstruction yes which is is because the episodes were deleted by the BBC were they deleted by the BBC? yep no fire? no? no? no did you did you just make this up in your mind? no (laughs) I don't know what happened with them so I'll just pretend there was a fire I just understood there was a fire at the BBC archives and uh, many episodes got destroyed in the fire. No, they actually deleted them because they needed the uh, videotapes and they didn't see why they would ever be shown again or Mm. why, you know, how they would make money out of them. You know, because this was the 70s and you wouldn't, the videotapes didn't Mm. exist then, so there was no way, they just just couldn't see how they would make any money out of them. It was just something I invented. (laughs) No, I like. No, I do like the fact that you just invented it in your mind. There was a fire. Um, yeah, there were 108 missing episodes because they were all deleted. I mean, the only reason they got a lot of episodes back, there were more than that deleted actually. But the only reason they got a lot of episodes back is because they sold them to overseas, and they kept them. Like Tomb of the Cybermen was found in Hong Kong, I believe, at uh, at a channel over there. That's kind of uh, other people to not delete them, isn't it? Yeah, but yeah, that's basically why. So, so yes, we were watching a reconstruction, which is what people have done. Uh, it's basically yeah, the the take the the stills from the dailies, don't they? Oh, yeah, technical. Technical. Uh, yes, and, and they uh, put put uh, the soundtrack to it because people have actually recorded the audios of the episodes. Yeah. yeah. And they still existed. And the one we were watching also had uh, the guy that plays Ian uh, from a few years ago. He did like linking narration to let you know what was going on as well. 
Yeah, this was a relatively new reconstruction of the reconstruction, wasn't it? Yes, because before they would have like text on the screen, yeah, and sometimes it would be like really unclear to what was going on. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of reading. And, and if you thought three hours of like of, of Doctor episodes before were bad, imagine watching it and not really knowing what's going on and it being dark and oh, it was just dreadful. Kind of like the web planet, which we'll get to soon enough. So yeah, yeah, this one was better with having uh, William Russell narrate some of the action rather than having to read. Yes, reading's always a chore, isn't it? It is. People read into me. It's the way of the future. It is. We should just employ people to read to us. Stephen Fry would be good to read to us. I wouldn't be against that. I also liked at the beginning Ian's uh, Sherlock Holmes type coat that he was wearing, that he obviously got from mm. the TARDIS. Well, it did uh, obviously sort of encourage him to be detective later on in the <laughs> episode. But I'm just wondering that that coat. Uh, did, did the Doctor know Sherlock Holmes and did he give him his coat? I wouldn't be surprised. Because there's nothing to say Sherlock Holmes didn't exist in the Doctor Who universe. And in fact, there were a couple of books uh, from the 90s in which he met Sherlock Holmes. Although some people say they're not real. Books? Books. What are they? Are they like audio books? They're like audio books, but on paper. Who does that? I know, crazy. That's like living in the Stone Age or something. I'm coming back to Ian again. I mean, I just yes. like, I'd love, oh, good. Because I love the fact that Doctor has so little respect for him. He called him Charlton at one point. He's an old man, he can't remember anything. Oh, he knows what his name is. He just sickens him so much, so he's just, right, I'm going to call this guy Charlton now. Watch, watch his face, watch his stupid face. He's yeah. all like that because he knows Ian's better than him, so he tries to put him down by getting his name yeah, this Time Lord, who's several hundred years old, knows everything, he gets his name wrong. He doesn't know anything, because Ian knows more than him, and solves all his problems for him. Mm-hmm. And of course, the evil guy... If Ian had played backgammon, Ian had won. Yeah, sure. Ian wouldn't even know what backgammon was. Ian thought backgammon was uh, part of a pig. Um, Tagana, the evil guy, of course, we knew who the, he was the evil guy because he had a beard. Because this was the 60s and not all evil people have beards. And still do. Yeah. Uh, uh, comedy cunt. <laughs> uh, what was I going to say? Yes, and... Uh, but I did like that even, you know, Marco Polo was like a good guy in it. But even he was, was, wasn't was 100% good and everything. You know, he would be he was suspicious of he's, the Doctor and his companions. He was very selfish as well. He was very selfish and he got angry a lot. Maybe he got angry in fact, with he was himself a bit of a for d- being selfish. He was a bit of a dick, in fact. It, it was a bit of a dick at times, yes. Yeah. And he didn't even know what condensation was? No. Some kind of enlightened European guy, this one. Well, maybe he didn't recognise it because it was actually TARDIS damp and not <laughs> condensation. <laughs> yes. TARDIS condensation that uh, that you can fill, you can fill a jug with, apparently. <laughs> No, I don't know about you, but I've never seen condensation. You can just put a jug next to it and it'll fill it up. And hey, that's the TARDIS for you. Well, it is, like, almost infinitely big inside. Almost infinitely mm. big inside. Yeah. I think it's bigger than infinite inside. Is it? Mm. 
You can't get bigger than infinite. You can. I'd get you now. Now Gav is going to discuss science with us. <laughs> uh, okay. But do, I'm not Ian. No, you're so, not Ian. No. no. I'm not going to say you're better than Ian because that's the trap you want me to fall into. And it's not. I'm not. I'm not going to do it. Nobody's better than Ian. Anyway, uh, so this was an, another historical uh, story. Yes, but different to the first one. In that it was better. Besides that, I mean, this was like taking like actual historical events to go back to the first was just a time period, if you like. Are you saying Tsar never existed? Yes. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, I, I like historical stories occasionally. Um, I just just a shame they don't really do them anymore. They all, I mean, they do. They have had stories set in historical. Uh, setting in the new series, but they're obviously all they, they all have like a science fiction twist. The, yes. the last purely historical mm. story was uh, in the Fifth Doctor's reign. Really, that far back? Nineteen eighty one, called Black Orchid. Well, I would have found the bringing the knowledge. Yeah, it's just yeah, a shame. It's just you know, it's, I would I'd like to see more. You know, if they did like because. You don't have to have science fiction and things to uh, make them... Wow, did I really say that? I would have said the Pompeii episode sort of is from following the category of it's a the historical, historical episode, but... But it did, it, have, the, have, it did have the rock monsters. It did have rock monsters, yeah. yeah. It's a twist on it. It's, it's still actually going back to sort of events and things. Well, yeah, but then, then you could say that with the Agatha Christie story as well. Yeah. Mm. So I'm saying they do they do historical stories nowadays, but they're not pure historical stories. But the difference between that one and the first one was the first one wasn't really a, a historical story. It was set in like a time period, set in history. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't about a story in history. No, well, it doesn't have to be. You can set be set. Uh, well, it's not the only reason it wasn't is because. Back in the caveman, and we don't really have any stories back then. Because they didn't have audiobooks. No, they didn't have audiobooks. <laughs> I would like to sit here, a caveman reading an audiobook. I'd listen. If it didn't mean me reading, I'd listen. Uh, yeah, and what is it with them being forthcoming about what the TARDIS is and telling them we're from the, we're from the future? Yeah, they seem to be doing that quite a lot. Yeah, and, then, uh, and, and people sort of believing them. And also not believe in them. There's lots of people who don't believe them and just think Marco they're Polo mad. kind of And then them. they can't understand why people yes. don't believe them. <laughs> they think they're mad and they're going to lock them up. And they're like, oh, I can't believe you're locking me up after I told you I'm you from the future. Yes. I live in this box. <laughs> that's bigger <laughs> on the inside. Are you mad? Um, oh, here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> just a tiny bit. Yeah, remember last time we were talking about the movies, the two Peter Cushing movies that were based on the Dalek stories? Yes. Apparently this was up for being one of the other ones. Uh, in fact, Disney were, were interested in making this into a movie, but they didn't, obviously. Obviously. They were, they were going to, and then they, they went to the BBC, but unfortunately they deleted everything. Bastards. I made that part up. But it could be true. Stop lying to me. <laughs> I do love it, though. Animal. In fact, there's, there's no such thing as Doctor Who. This is a whole elaborate lie. Am I still asleep? Yes. <laughs> I have dreamt the last 
five years of my life. Yep. It wouldn't aren't, surprise Aren't I the best dream ever? Um, William Hartnell apparently took time off for this episode. For one of the episodes, anyway. That, that's why he uh, was in the tent sulking for a lot of it. But but I do like mm. the reason that they wrote into the episode for it. What? Which is? That he was in the, t- in the, in the mm. tent sulking. Uh-huh. It but does uh, seem yeah, very in character. He seems to do that a couple of other times. Like, mm, he's run, doesn't he? What, sulking tents? Yeah. Or take time off. Take time off to sulk in They tents. all do. In fact, there's an mm. episode in the second or third series where they uh, all the, the, the Doctor and the companions aren't in it at all. Mm. Yes, it was a great episode, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Interesting bit as well that the Doctor made a TARDIS key after Marco Polo took his. Did he make it after he took it? Yep. And he implied that he actually made the original. So maybe that's how he got into the TARDIS in the first place. I thought he said he made a copy and gave him the copy. No, he gave, him, he gave he him, him. No, he gave him the original, and he made a copy. Mm-hmm. He can just make copies, apparently, just like that. Mm-hmm. Why, why not? not? Why not? But then, obviously, the sixth Doctor loses that ability, and that's why he never actually locks anything. How's your beer? My beer. <laughs> it's all right. I wouldn't buy it again. It's it yeah. was cheap, and it does taste kind of like that. Yeah, this just tastes like somebody's dropped a bit of uh, orange cordial in my beer and it doesn't quite taste right. But it's not going to stop me from drinking it. Well, no, it's beer, isn't it? Yeah. I wouldn't regularly drop orange into my beer. Well, you had an orange in your beer before. What was it, Blue Moon you drank? Yes, recently? it was Blue Moon with a slice of orange. Yes. Mm. It was very nice. What, was there any need for the slice of orange? I don't think there was any particular need, but... It didn't spoil it, it was nice. Well, that's all right. It's not like dropping cordial in TV, which this tastes like. Yeah, at least, was it Corona? They, they, they put lime in the top. Although apparently yeah. they don't actually do that in Mexico. They, they don't stick it in the actual drink, they just put it on the top to keep flies away. So I heard, anyway. Mm. That's what I heard. A, I don't a, know about the truthality of it. The truthality? Yes. Brilliant. I can make words up. There was a nice bit as well where Susan talks uh, about her home and she says it's as far away as a night star. And she kind of implies that she wants to go home. Or she wants, you know, she she would like to be at home. You know. And also implies she lives on another planet. Well, she did. She never lived on Gallifrey. Oh. Is that Susan, did you say? Yeah. Oh, so. <laughs> I thought you said Barbara. Yes, Barbara. Yeah. I should Shocking probably. I should probably Barbara. listen. <laughs> <laughs> probably listen to, listen to yes. things. Yes, Susan did live on a night star. Yes. Uh, well, not on a star, but no. on a planet. On a planet. Around a star, probably. Around a star, near a black hole. Yeah. Have you anything to add about the episode, Gav? Uh, not much more now. I don't know what it is. I think it's because I've been watching a lot of Batman Beyond recently. But, uh, you know, there's the old Bruce Wayne in that, and then there's the, the new Batman, which is Terry McGuinness. Yes, I don't know what that is. Okay, never mind. Well, I just think yeah. the relationship between between the Doctor and Ian is a bit like that. Plus, the Doctor and the old Bruce Wayne are just are like old kids. So that suits, that suits well. And then you've got, uh, you've got Ian and the, the new Batman to do all the action y stuff. 
Yes, it's uh, all lost references on me. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm amazed we can even yeah. do this podcast. <laughs> uh, so, do you want to move on to the question then? We may as well, yes. I can't think of anything uh, better to do. Let's no, go to the question then. Which is the only question of the day, because we only ever get one. <laughs> is from uh, Scott Zilko and he says Dear Gavs, really enjoy the podcast although hearing you open your bottles at the beginning always makes me wish I had a Dos Equis but can't because I'm listening at work but that is a small mental price to pay for quality Doctor Who reviews Doctor Who, quality Doctor Who reviews? Yes Are you listening to another podcast? I think he must be you must have got the address wrong on this. <laughs> anyway, we'll read spam. Been trying to catch up with you as well. And I have to say I agree with Irish Gav about Ian. Well, I've lost interest in this already. Well, I'll carry on then. He's kind of a dick, especially when Barbara comments on how she sometimes wishes something bad happened to the poor old doctor and Ian agreed with a little too much enthusiasm. Yes, God, I quite agree. Thank you. Uh, but his question is, my question is a pretty general one. Why don't any of the doctors sport facial hair? Are Time Lords unable to grow any other than sideburns? Or have I uh, some fabulous moustached doctors to look forward to in my current viewings that I don't know about from Google search? I look forward to my drunken answer. Well, thank you for the uh, question, Scott. And thanks mm. for, for the... Uh, praise. Praise, that's yeah. the word, yes. Thank you for the praise. But uh, yes, the doctor tends to shy away from facial hair. Yes, I can't yes. think of. There's only one instance of a doctor having facial hair, and that's the eleventh doctor. Yes, uh, whilst he was in captivity and couldn't shave, it must have really annoyed him. It must have done, cause, but he didn't shave immediately afterwards. I'm trying not to say too much. Yes, he did have facial hair at one stage. But I can't think, uh, as you say, he's got. The only thing I can think of is sideburns, because remember Tom Baker had massive sideburns. Yes, and as we discovered earlier, facial hair means evil. Yes. <laughs> so you can't really have the Doctor having facial hair. No, but he says our Time Lord's unable to yes. grow any, and the Master grows Yes, he does grow a good beard. Yes, unless he's Eric Roberts, and then he can't, no. or John Sim. No. But yeah, the Master, when he originally appeared, and uh, one of his other incarnations, he had a goatee beard, just to emphasise how evil he was. So you do have Time Lord beards to look forward to. Yes. See, I can make a joke now about Doctor's companions being his beards, but you see, I will not stoop to that level. Please. Well, I've already done it. Uh, so yes, that, that's the answer to that. Quote of the episode then? Yes, what's yours? My quote of the episode is, I think you mentioned it briefly in the synopsis, is whenever the, uh, whenever Marco Polo says to the Doctor in the first episode that he's going to take his TARDIS or his caravan, and I just love the Doctor's reaction to it. He just doesn't give a fuck, basically. And here it is. Yes, <laughs> 
my uh, Ian moment of the episode. It was going to be when he discovered the eyes in the caves and then rescues Barbara, but in episode 7, 4 minutes in, it's not technically an Ian moment, but it was uh, William Russell during narration about the Empress. And here it is. And she promptly waddles away again. It just amused me. I do like that. See, that's a good Ian bit. But obviously it's not Ian, it's, it's, it's the actor. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what I can get. <laughs> yep, at your age you probably should. Comedy. Uh, yes, so basically Marco Polo was quite quite good story. I don't think it was as good as the last one. No. But then... Especially. But then the last one was just nuts. Well, yeah, considering it was watching stop frame animation... Well, not even that. Yeah. Well... Yeah, the reasons, yeah it, they're, it, they're not they're not the best things to I mean obviously you'd rather watch the actual episodes but they anyway. yeah it was entertaining enough to watch and hold some sort of interest hmm. because of the story it is a pain trying to watch these reconstructions so next time uh, I believe it's the keys of Marinus yes and uh, I believe I'm doing that one again so yes, you, you have are. A, a comedy free Synopsis to look forward to. <laughs> and the Keys of Mararinus was actually written by the same guy who came up with the Daleks. So can he actually do something that's good without the Daleks? Only time will tell. We'll see. So, if you uh, if you have any questions... Yeah, please uh, send them in. The email address is... junkintimetravel at gmail.com Please do send them in if you have any. You can find uh, links to our Twitter and various blogs on our website. Yes. It's drunkentimetravel.blogspot.com Excellent. Uh, I believe that's it for today then. And it's good night from me. And it's good night from him.